get the mic. Honey, I got something to say. Ooh, I like that. Can you turn that up for me? No, like, it's Maja. But you know, Maj for short. <laughs> Ask Maj. What's up, what's up? It's your girl, Maj, and we are back with another episode of Eggs Maj, the podcast, where I am spilling all the real tea. Now, I am so excited because I have a special guest here um, with me today that's getting ready to drop some real gems, um, multi-state licensed clinician, uh, Dr. Cortina Peters is here with me today. Hello, Cortina. How are you? Thanks for joining the podcast today. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Actually, won't be doctor until October, but I'll take it early. <laughs> uh, we'll take it early. We claiming it early. Yes. Um, that is super exciting. And congratulations early to thank you, you on that. Thank you. Um, so I, I'm really excited to, to dive into this conversation. And um, before we get started, I, I, I would like to say that this may be a trigger to some of our listeners. We are going to kind of talk about some deep things. So, you know, at any point, you know, if you feel triggered or um, uncomfortable, please, please cut us off. You know, we can, we will, we'll, I'm happy to have you on the next episode, um, but I totally understand that, you know, these, these toxic topics can be, you know, triggering for a lot of people. Um, but, but I'm excited, not necessarily in a happy way, but I'm excited to be excited to shed light um, in, in this arena, in this space on these topics that are affecting, you know, many of us. Um, and I think it's so important that we create these types of spaces, you know, you know, to continue to have these conversations. So I really want to, want to jump in. Um, but we've seen, you know, we're both black women, right. And we've seen, you know, depression, anxiety, you know, and other similar mental health issues that have been really, really impacting our black women. And I feel like now more than ever, what, what is the cause of this? What do you think is the driving force? I think that's really multi-layered, right? Because when I was growing up, I can remember older uh, women and individuals within the community saying, oh, Black people don't get depressed, right? And so if I grow up hearing that, I'm not going to be able to label or to describe exactly what it is that I'm feeling when it looks like depression, it sounds like depression, but black people don't get it. So it must not be that. So I think one of the things that now we are now able and feel more at liberty and free and give ourselves permission to actually verbalize and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm depressed that more people are now starting to listen. So that's just one part. We still have a very long way to go because it's still very much stigmatized as we know. However, I do think that we are loosening the reins when it comes to our belief systems about the way Black individuals experience mental health challenges. So that's what I would say on that. I think it's historical. I think it's uh, a mistrust of the system also because it's almost like, okay, do I really trust these individuals to give me a diagnosis? Is that really what it is when we have so much medical mistrust within the system? So that's why I say, I think it's very multi-layered when we are looking at what are some of the factors that go into all of these things that we are now seeing. I, at one point, it breaks my heart because not just Black women, but also Black black individuals, period, are just like, okay, last month, 
someone took their life. This month, someone took their life. And on the outside, you would have absolutely no clue. That's why I tell individuals depression is definitely on a spectrum. Your depression may not look like my depression. And just because I can get up and go to work, just because I can pay the bills, just because I can take care of the kids, just because I make six figures and drive a nice luxury car, that does not take away from my ability to be depressed. You don't know what I'm feeling on the inside of myself. Outwardly, oh, she looks fine. But on the inside, I might be dying or crumbling and no one knows. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You, you're getting ahead here, you know, and I'm, oh, I'm so, I'm so excited to dive into this because I think this is so important. Um, but you kind of touched on some things that, you know, we're going to kind of dive into a little bit later, but you know, you talked about this mistrust, right? When it comes to diagnosis, right? And we all know those black mamas and black daddies who don't believe in mental health and depression because you don't pay no bills, right? Um, what you depressed about? Bro, you don't have no no. <laughs> oh, that, oh my gosh, I can attest to that. No, but, um, sorry, mama. But, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I really wanted to, to tap into what depression is, right? And so you mentioned a very important part where you said, um, you know, it, it, it's on a spectrum, right? Like, so my depression might not look like your depression. So what is depression and how does it affect people? So depression is a mood disorder that causes persistent feelings of sadness, loss of interest. Um, and so some people, when they, they hear it, they hear like major depressive disorder or clinical depression. So those are the, the two terms inter, uh, interchangeable, uh, where it's just a lack of interest, sadness, and these are persistent feelings. Not like, oh my God, my favorite character died on the show and now I'm sad. No, we're not talking about that. These are persistent, pervasive feelings that we have that affect and impact the way that we show up in the world. And so it can lead to a variety of other emotional and physical problems as well. For some individuals where we call this, because, you know, you have like high functioning depression and which is not really a thing, but it's more like a qualifier or descriptor to help people like be able to understand it better because high functioning depression is not in the DSM. Um, so and for those of you who don't know what the DSM is, it's like the psychology Bible. Every disorder and diagnosis that we have is in the DSM-5 TR. So that is that Diagnostic Statistical Manual. That is what we go by. That's how we diagnose individuals with various disorders. But going back to what I was saying, um, where you have some people, they can't get out of bed. They don't have an appetite. They can't function and do their ADLs and ADLs are activities of daily living. So they're just like the depressed person. What you think of when you hear someone say they're depressed, that's what most people think about. So if I am not exhibiting these characteristics, there is no way I can be depressed, which is not true. It's not true at all. And so I think it's gonna be very important when it comes to uh, spreading knowledge about how depression can affect different people in different ways. That's why I said it's on the spectrum. Sarah might not be able to get out of bed. Sally might be running a Fortune 500 company. They both can definitely be having or experiencing some of the same internal things on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. You know, and I, I want to jump into high functioning depression, right? Because that is 
that has become more prevalent, right? Like we hear that a lot. Um, so I want to jump into that, but really quick, what I, I know you, you talked about, you know, depression being on a spectrum, right? And I, mm-hmm. and I love that, that you brought that up so that, because it's a bit more understandable, especially for folks like me who don't understand this arena. What is the origin of depression? Is there, oh gosh, okay. <laughs> I'll open a can of worms. <laughs> so, so this is also multi-layer, right? You know how they say it's more than one way to skin a cat? Well, uh-huh. there's just not one reason for depression. Mm. It can be genetics, right? So research basically shows us that depression can run in families, which it does, right? So you can be genetically predisposed to experience depression, right? It can be your brain chemistry. There might be some neurotransmitters that are off and you, we know neurotransmitters, they regulate the mood. So if my mood is not being regulated the way that maybe it's supposed to be regulated, I might experience some mood disturbances. Um, some of the other things is stress that can definitely exacerbate how you experience mood changes, which lead to depression, um, health, different types of hormones. You have something known as seasonal affective disorder. And that kind of happens like around the end of the year, like that October, November, December, it gets colder, also known as sad. And so daylight and different types of seasons can cause people to feel a little bit like they have a lack of energy and my mood cycles are different. Um, Life events. You can have a, 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 a traumatic event happen. Maybe you lost a, a loved one, right? Who was very significant to you. There are some individuals they have, everything is going great in their life. Boom, I lost my child. Boom, I lost my husband. And I don't come out of that. Like I am now clinically depressed because my mood has changed. You have family and social environment that can cause depression and and also how we react to different situations. And that just comes from our personality. How do we manage and handle situations? So those are like all of the different types of layers and things that can contribute to who and when individuals may experience depression. Mm, mm, this is good. Oh my God, I'm learning so much. I love, love, love this conversation already. Okay, so going back to, going back to like, um, and I don't mean excited, like happy to talk. I'm like, no. I just, this is so important to shed light on this. Like, you know, and I, yeah, as a black woman, you know, people who, I'm a woman who has black women friends, like who deal with these things. Like, so this is so important for me to shed light on this. Um, so going back to high functioning depression, Right. Mm-hmm. And you said that ain't in the DSM. OK, I, I know that. I know that term now. That's not in the DSM. So what what is high functioning depression? Like what? How is it different? And and so I think, you know, you, you made a good point about the, the, the girl that's the CEO that can still be depressed. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking about her. Right. The CEO, the fine husband, the great job, the great salary, the great. I mean, on Instagram, straight flexing. And she's dep- she's, I guess, dealing with high functioning depression. Is that. Talk about that. What, what, what is that? So so basically, but they still have thoughts, right? So you have to understand that it could come and go sometimes. And so you have to think about it like this. If I am experiencing high function depression, I develop a negative pattern of unhealthy thoughts within my mind that kind of create a web of dysfunction and dis, well, a, a web of 
dysfunctional thoughts. So it's like a cycle now. And so now I'm having these cycle of thoughts of hopelessness, helplessness, like it's not going to get better. But I have the energy enough because I can still go to work. And, and that's what causes us to lead to, unfortunately, ending up committing suicide because it's like I can't seem to get out of this web and this cycle of negative intrusive thoughts that are now in my mind and so some of the things that they also experience so like some of the symptoms um frequent tiredness well guess what I might be tired because I'm a high power CEO so do I think it's coming from depression no because I don't acknowledge I have depression I'm just tired because of my job and it, it might go un, you know, undiscovered. Um, avoiding social situations. They keep up the routine, but sometimes they'll disengage. They may say, you know what? Oh, I have to always talk to people all the time. You know what? I just want to stay in. Which, it makes sense on the outside, but is it isolation? Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Am I withdrawing from maybe individuals who I'm normally used to um, okay being around? They have a little bit of extra irritability, which if you're in a position like that, and it doesn't even have to be in a position, you can have someone with, I'm going to say air quotes, uh, high functioning depression who works at McDonald's or anywhere, right? If you're interacting with people and you don't identify that you are dealing with depression, you may say, oh, it's just the people. They get on my nerves. They're mm -hmm. rude. You know, that is what is causing me to be more irritable than maybe what I normally am. Overeating, overexercising, difficulty falling asleep, difficulty staying asleep, inability to focus. That sounds like a lot of us, if you like, oh, yeah, it's difficult for me to, you know, for me to concentrate. But you also have to also have like these negative thoughts about are, are you feeling hopeless? Are you feeling helpless? Do you kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not really have positive type of things to say about your future? Are you very pessimistic about what's to come in the future? And if you are more than likely often on the stage, like I, I'm speaking out or I'm cheering, like, you know, uh, the cheerleader, she was on stage performing, but those closest to her, what was her conversation like? Because somebody can be very different when you see them on the TV versus, oh, that's nothing. We may say, girl, that's, that's a, you did great. No, it doesn't matter anyway. We have to watch for those subtle shifts in behaviors and moods. That's why I think it's so important and, and amazing that you're even doing this so that individuals listening can get the information that they need about dispelling the myth in regards to what is depression. Yeah. Because if I'm not in the bed and I can't get up, oh, I'm not depressed. But you very well could be. Yeah. And not yeah. know it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so so many interesting points here. Um, and you know, if, in in full transparency, right, in full authenticity, like I was, um, that person that looked at other people, you know, on Instagram or even in person, and saw the accolades, right, saw the accomplishments, and I thought, how in the world could they possibly be depressed, right? Like I linked, you know, you being successful to 
there is no association there to depression because how can you be depressed if you're successful, right? And then that's where that that the high functioning piece came in. You know, that I started to learn about. Yeah. Um, but but you know, it really hit me when um, Chesley Crease committed suicide. God rest her soul. You know, and I Chesley was someone I, I don't know her obviously, mm-hmm. um, but I felt like her like I felt like I could relate to her like just her life like she was chasing her dreams you know she made her family proud she was this pageant queen she was black she flaunted her natural hair I mean she inspired like I remember this one um I can't remember what queen it was but they posted um a, a, a response that she was like responding to someone like saying some mean something to her on Instagram. And I mean, it was so graceful, so poised. I mean, she like got them together, but it was so graceful. So I'm like, and you, if you watch her video, she just seems like interview. She just seems like this, oh my God, bubbly, like just perfect. And I hate to use the word perfect, but it's just mm-hmm. like how, it, like she just has everything you, she could possibly ask for, right? And so then even thinking about the cheerleader, I think that you're talking about Miss Arlana Miller, mm-hmm. um, you know, who also committed suicide, God, God rest her soul, you know, but that really struck <clears throat> something in my mind. Like, okay, I don't know everything I think I know about this disorder. So when you think about, you know, Arlana, right, standing on that bridge, right? Or when you think about Chesley, you know, standing on the 29th, you know, building of her apartment, what was like the last piece? What would you say really like led them there to say like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Was they it? Felt fam- like they, I would say they felt like they had no way out. Mm. Like no one's going to understand people outside of me. They tell me how great I am. They tell me how beautiful I am. They tell me, Oh my God, you've done all of these wonderful things and nothing that I own, no title, no label, nothing can fill the emotional void that I feel. Yeah. 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 There's no way out. Um, so that's that hopelessness. Yeah. All hope is lost. And the only way that I know that I can stop the pain is by ending my life. Because if my life is not here, the pain will not be here. Mm. But the reality is it doesn't matter if it's high functioning or low functioning. Yeah. If you think or feel, you don't have to know for sure. I would say even at the thought that, okay, my mood is shifting, ask for help. Go seek a professional who can help navigate you and help you walk through the emotional shifts, challenges, and changes that you may be or maybe about to experience, right? You might be going through it. You might be preparing for it. You might be supporting someone um, who's who's going through it. You have to make sure that you are asking for help without stigma attached to it or being embarrassed or feeling shame. You have to understand in the Black community, and I do this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot when I'm speaking and I talk about women with the S on our chest and society has taught us that, okay, well, Black women, we do this, we cook, we clean, we go to work, we, we make the dinner, we wash the clothes, we clean the house, we have 800 jobs, we get it done, we plan parties, we nurse babies, we, we do everything. That's great, but it's also an unrealistic depiction of what it means to be a woman. 
mm-hmm. or to just be right. Just because you can do all of those things. You don't think that the women that were doing all of these things did not have some type of emotional response to all of this stuff that they were carrying. I had a patient one time and they were saying, oh my God, you know, like my mom did all this, blah, 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 blah. But when we really started talking about it, she was able to see that. Oh my God, I I think my mom was depressed because she would do all of these things, but then she would go into her room and we wouldn't see her. So she would be at all the games. She would cook all the food, plan all the parties, do everything for all the kids, but then we wouldn't see her. So even if you could do it, why do it when you can ask for help? Yeah. It's not a race. It's not like we're going to get, oh my God, Superwoman of the Year award. So if you need help, ask for it because we might be, the, the word I used earlier, exacerbating some of the emotional responses and putting ourselves in emotional situations that we don't even need to be in. When your body starts to tell you to stop, stop. When you need rest, rest. Yeah. If you need to ask, you know what, girl, I, I can't do this right now. Or And this is for men and women, not just for women. You know, you don't have to be everything to everyone. <laughs> right. Because yeah. when you're doing that, how can you show up for you? And now you're carrying all of this. You're probably going to feel like no one understands. Now you're holding it all inside. That can lead to depression. But you still got to show up because you still got these babies right. and you still got this job. So now you fall into the category. Okay, high functioning depression. But she's still doing everything. Yeah. But she's dying on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, individuals who experience high functioning depression, they're overachievers. They're well, oh, overachievers, um, type A personalities, or uh, very high achievers. They've mm-hmm. achieved a lot of things within their life. And yeah. even in everything that they've achieved, it's still not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And they, good. oh, and. Because it's not necessarily a label as far as depression, they can hide very well. And even the closest people around them might not even know. Oh, my God, they were depressed. I never knew it. Never knew it. Just um, like transparency, I would say back in like 2013, I was definitely depressed, you know, and I was a clinician then. I was a therapist then. um, And I actually had to go on medication, like no matter what was going on. But mine was life situation induced. Mm -hmm. My my um, favorite cousin, we always dressed alike since we were little girls. I'm an only child. She was the only girl. We were like sisters. We were two months apart and she died suddenly. My world was turned upside down. I still had to show up to work. I still had to take care of my daughter. She left behind a five-year-old little girl, you know? So like, I'm still functioning, but I would go home and just sleep. I would cry. I was tearful, but you would never know it at work. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Thank you for for sharing that too. Um, And I'm glad you brought that up, right? Because... Um, I, I, I watched the Red Table Talk with um, 
Jada and Jada's mom and Willow and uh, Ched's and Chris mom who came on there. And I, I like I just see that one. Yeah, I, I loved Chesley. Like I followed and you, I followed her for I followed her journey for so long. So that was so devastating to me, mm. you know, to see her reach that that point. And I'm like, I, I can only imagine what her her family's going through. But I remember that was that time where all of the queens were black, like the Miss Universe. Yes, that year. Black, yes, yes. Miss, too, like, I mean, it was black girl magic all around. Like you couldn't tell me nothing. OK, all, no, Miss USA is black. Um, you know, but but during. Oh, my God. And I, I encourage you, like, if, if it's not a trigger for you, like watch it. It was it was very sad, but very beautiful. It was yeah. a very beautiful yeah. interview for her mom to, to talk about that. But her mom did kind of talk about um the last message that Chesley sent her right before she um, committed suicide. And so I think one thing that really stuck out to me, and I ask this because I don't understand it, but one thing that really stuck out, stuck out to me, and you mentioned this, you talked about, you know, hopelessness, and you also talked about kind of going to work and still being like high functioning, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but she never, she never mentioned in the message that she lived a horrible life that she was, you know, going through, you know, some sort of tragedy. You know, she just talked about that loneliness, mm -hmm. like that hopelessness, those voices, you know, in her head that were telling her, you know, that she wasn't those enough. negative so, thoughts. Right, right. And so I guess, and I know we talked about kind of the origin and how, you know, depression is on a spectrum, but I guess for those people like me, like for those who are mm -hmm. listening and, and for me, you know, for, for people who don't understand, like what just... I guess, drives her to that point. You know, she had a support system, right? Like she had, like it I appeared, guess- It appeared, but that it appeared, right? Okay, uh-huh. Just because it looks like a support system, if I don't find it supportive, maybe it was supportive to an extent, but the type of support I needed, they were unable to give it to me, not because they didn't want to, but because they were unaware that I needed it. Mm. So it's just so, go ahead, go ahead. So a lot of things can appear to be a lot of ways. Like I had to correct someone. They were like, oh my God, well, she was so pretty. I said, mental illness does not discriminate. I right. don't care what you look like. It, it it that doesn't matter. And that's another stigma or myth that people have that people who have pretty privilege don't feel depressed. Again, going back to like our moms, what they used to say is, well, you don't have nothing to be depressed about. You're not out here struggling. Like, no, but I am just because I have everything that it, it looks good emotionally. No, I didn't have a horrible life. Yes, I may have been privileged. All of these different things. And it's remember, I told you the cycle of the dysfunctional thoughts that are mm. in my mind that has nothing to do with my upbringing or what I have or mm. what I've achieved. It absolutely has nothing to do with that and everything to do with what is my mind telling me? What are the narratives going on? My feelings of hopelessness got the best of me. Mm. And there was no coming back from that. Mm. That's why I said the best course of action is early diagnosis or treatment mm. not waiting till it gets to a point of no return that's why i said you know even if you suspect oh th this is different i'm feeling something different ask for help go go talk to a professional mm. to help you navigate through it don't be afraid to to ask for help out of fear that you're going to appear weak yeah oh yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think my takeaway here is that those dysfunctional thoughts are not necessarily linked to something happening in your life. Correct. Correct. Got it. Okay. Whether it's good or bad. So in other words, you can have the whole world, but if those thoughts are telling you something different, then it doesn't matter. It's almost like someone who's super skinny and they're like, oh, I got to lose weight. Everybody (laughs) and their mama and Jesus can come down here and say, girl, you look great. But in her mind, if she does not look great and she want to lose 10 more pounds, there's nothing you or anybody else can say that's going to change the thoughts that are in the mind. Yes, got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And I hope y'all are listening. I hope y'all got that too, because I grasped that real good. <laughs> um, so so you talked about like 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 the early diagnosis, right? Like um, you know, getting it early, getting help early. Um, and then but you also mentioned something about, you know, not having the support that that how can I put it? Not having the support the way you want the support or with the way you think you should have the support. So for those who are dealing with depression, who are suffering from depression. Mm-hmm. So when we think back to, you know, Chesley, um, or we yeah. think back to, you know, Arlana, when it comes to seeking help, what does accountability accountability look like on their end for them? For the individual? Yes. Okay. So again, going back to when I was saying, you know, if you feel that something, if you feel something is wrong, say like ask for help. Mm. Become educated on, okay, let me figure out what's wrong because I don't want to be this way. There are some people also who have a fear of people going to think I'm crazy Mm. or medication, right? They might not want to um, get on medication, right? I'm not a proponent for medication or anything like that. Mm -hmm. However, there are some things that talk therapy can't get you through. And the best case scenario Mm -hmm. is a combination of talk therapy um, and uh, medication. It's not something that you're going to be addicted to and you might not even be on it for the rest of your life. But until you can get a hole and a sturdy foundation emotionally so that you can grasp the concepts that you are discussing and learning within the therapeutic uh, sessions, that might be beneficial. Like I said earlier, I'm a therapist and I was like, look, (laughs) I never thought like this. I never thought that this would be me. But even though I can do all of the coping mechanisms and skills in the world. But there, I needed something more mm. than what I was able to give myself. And you got to know if you're not even aware of that, because, you know, most people don't have as much knowledge as it relates right. to how am I getting over this than me? Yeah, you might need more help than maybe what you've even thought of yeah. before. Um Talking to someone who you trust and asking for an accountability account, I call them account, accountability buddies. So an mm. accountability buddy would, would be able to be someone who you trust when you start to wax and wane. And if my mood mm. starts to shift, if you see me getting a little bit more irritable, you know, tap me on my shoulder and be like, all right, girl, okay, I'm seeing this. All right. Girl, you're getting on my nerves. You good. <laughs> no, no, like, yeah. do yeah. We, need, we need to take, we need to reset. Yeah. If your life is very busy, sometimes your emotions can get away from you. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to take a break. You have to reset, regroup, refocus so that you can have a good pulse on what are my emotions doing right now? Where are they? And so those are some of the things that I would say that you can do to be accountable yeah. for your emotional wellness so that it doesn't get to the point 
to where you feel as though my only way out is by ending my life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, and I ask that because I feel like anytime we see news of suicide, right? Like the first thing people say is what? Check on your strong friends. Um, and I, and I wanted to mention accountability because I felt like checking on your strong friends doesn't work if your strong friends don't tell you what's going on. I think, I think strong is also very subjective. Mm. I can be successful, but that doesn't equate to strong. Strong, yes. So we have to change the verbiage when we say check on your strong friends. What does that mean? Does that mean check on your successful friends? Check on your friends that look like they have it all together? Mm. Check like, okay, I think all my friends are strong, but some go through different things in their life, right? And so what really what does that mean we all not just check on your strong friends because something happened but that should be a practice that we are doing and implementing so that we have a pulse on i noticed what you're saying but we still gonna go ahead and take a day just for all of us we still you really good and and i even tell myself i i tell people all the time i am like please be a low maintenance friend because i can't be calling and doing all this because my life is crazy and busy and everything (laughs) like that but there are some times when people drop in my spirit and I'm like, you know what? Let me check on them. Mm. Or maybe they said something to me or maybe I had a dream. Yeah. It just is that motivator for me to to call them. That same cousin that I said earlier that that passed away. I was doing something and it was like midnight and I was like, oh, I need to call her. She died the next day. That was the. I, I had this thing. I was like, something's telling me to call her. And I called her and I was like, girl, is your brother still getting married? I'm talking about like the craziest thing. I was like, oh, you're sleeping? She was like, yeah, I'm not feeling well. I have a headache. I was like, okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And 12 hours later, my mom was calling me, telling me they were rushing her to the hospital. Mm. So when you get these pulls, you know how sometimes you'd be like, oh, I was just thinking about mm-hmm. somebody the other day. It, it, it takes a minute to send a text. You can follow back up with a phone call, but when something or someone is on your heart, reach out to them. Yeah. Because I really believe in energies. Like people's energies are strong. And if you're close to someone, sometimes you do feel something. You might not know what, but if that person's name or you think about them, send them a text. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. Now, you know, we talked about, right, like accountability on you know, the, the parts of those who are suffering, you know, from depression or anxiety. Um, but but on our side, right? So when we think of friends and families, like how can we be allies and, and, and help those people who we love that may be suffering with depression? Like, is, is there a way to stop them from getting to that point? Like, how do we hold ourselves accountable? Well, I don't know if it's like, <laughs> we ain't God. <laughs> right, so right, right. It, but we might be able to... Uh, mitigate some of the yep. uh, development of what they may have. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, one of the biggest things is don't minimize when people say, "Girl, I'm stressed." You know, you yeah. may mean nothing by it by saying, "Girl, you don't got nothing to stress about. You got a husband. You you good. You got money. Like I'm the one that's over here stressed." Don't do that because you invalidate their feelings. So next time I want to share with you maybe what I'm going through, I'm not because you're not going to take me serious. Mm. So don't invalidate anyone's feelings or minimize what they might be going through just because you don't understand. Mm, that's good. 
Because when someone comes to you, it's not about you. It's about them. Right, right. And so so that that's probably one of the biggest things. And support, support, support. Yeah. If they need help, what's going to be the most beneficial way that I can be supportive? Yeah. 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 Now, now in that same spirit. Right. And I think, you know, this this might help me a lot. Um, But if someone comes to you and they say my friend, family, siblings, I'm depressed or I think I'm depressed. What do you say? What do you do? What what should be your response? Uh, Go to therapy for black girls and find a a clinician. Okay. Mm hmm. It's whatever you can sort, whatever you're looking for, whatever state, whatever insurance, you can read their bios. They all look like us. Yeah. Uh, so I would say go to therapy for black girls and see someone immediately. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's the first step. That's the first step. That's the first step. Or find black male therapists if you're a male. Okay. That works. That works. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now in that same spirit, um, what are some other resources that, that folks can utilize who may be suffering from depression? Um, NAMI, N-A-M-I, National Alliance for uh, Mental Health. You can contact them, any of your local offices um, as it relates to mental health issues. You have SAMHSA, uh, Substance Abuse, S-A-M. Uh, Substance Abuse and Mental Health <laughs> Association. <laughs> all, these all these acronyms, <laughs> yes. Uh, so you have SAMHSA. So these are all like the, the national bodies um, or associations where you can go to and they have a myriad. Just type in where you live and a list of providers and resources, depending on what it is, whether it's substance abuse, domestic violence, homelessness, whatever it is, will will come out. The suicide, you know, hotline, you can contact them if you are contemplating um, ending your life. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. All right, Miss Cortina. Well, tell us where we can find you, follow your journey, learn learn more about you. And if we want you to be our therapist, what do we need to do? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm licensed in four states. I'm licensed in Florida, Georgia, Texas, and Wisconsin. So if you reside in, reside in any of those states, I am able to see you. You can follow me um, at The Girlfriend Therapist on Facebook and uh, Instagram. And you can also follow my center, the Noir Center for Intuitive Healing and Counseling. And it was it's an Afrocentric, where Afrocentric roots meets the luxury of emotional and mental wellness. So that is the center and a space that I created for black and brown people to feel safe. Um, we honor your story. Uh, and curate your legacy to help you be able to flourish at your optimum potential. Um, and so that is at the Noir Center. So Noir is N-O-I-R. So the Noir Center. Love it. Y'all need to go on and follow because I follow every other page. I need to follow that one too. <laughs> um, but Cortina, thank you so much. Like this has been so helpful, so informational, so valuable just for me. Um, and I have so many friends, family members, siblings, you know, who deal deal with this. And it's just not something that we understand. Right. And I, right. it's so important that that we take, you know, those steps to be accountable and make sure that we understand so that we can have the right response. We know how to help to, you know, try our best to mitigate these things from getting too far. Um, and so, like I said, it was, it really touched my heart, you know, when 
um, you know, Chesley Kreese took her life because I saw, you know, so much of myself in her. And then to, you know, watch her mom talk with, you know, Jada and and, and her family was just so sad, but so powerful, you know, and yeah. I, I wanted to keep that conversation kind of going because, you know, I think a lot of um, Black women may be dealing with this and don't know that they are. Yes. Or they may have friends who are dealing with it and they don't know how to respond, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, or help. So this this has been so helpful. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank oh, you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, and y'all make sure y'all go follow Miss Cortina. Um, honey, she's the bomb.com. Okay, girlfriend, <laughs> therapist at your service. I love yes. it. Love it, love it, love it. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to all my listeners for listening to Axe Masha Podcast. Thank you for tuning in with us. And yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. Let me get the Peace. Honey, I've got something to say. Oh, I like that. Can you turn that up for me? No, like, it's Maja. But you know, Maj for short. Max Marsh.